the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on Tough Question Tuesday. And, of course, happy to take your tough questions. 303-873-1935. Questions about God, the historical Jesus. Questions about the Bible. Questions about world views and world religions. And, of course, there's been an interesting... Um, study that's been done um, on worldviews by the Cultural Research Center. Dr. George Barna, who's the director of the research, I've been following Barna for some 30 plus years. He does inventories and he um, did a um, they did research on what was it's what's called the American Worldview Inventory for 2022, and it was conducted by the Cultural Research Center at the Arizona Christian University, and it showed that more than nine out of ten parents of children under age 13 have what George Barn is making reference to as a muddled worldview, and by muddled worldview, what what he means is that it's incoherent. In other words, it's not a worldview that literally represents the historical biblical worldview. And so obviously what what George Barn is pointing out is that a worldview should be coherent and consistent and comprehensive. And by coherent, in other words, it needs to make logical sense. Take, for instance, a worldview that claims the only truth we can know is that there is no truth we can know. That belief is muddled and self-contradictory. So imagine a person has a worldview that they believe the Bible, but they don't really believe the Bible. And so I'll talk more about that when we come back. But 303-873-1935, that's the number. If you want to join us on the pro- program, and of course, producer Jim is ready to take your call, 303-873-1935. New York Times is reporting this breaking news that Hawaii has become the 50th and final state to announce it's going to drop its indoor mask mandate. I know for the last couple of weeks, weeks as the Russian invasion has been reported nonstop, Many of you might have been wondering, well, what happened to the coronavirus and what happened to the Omicron wave? And how come nobody's reporting any of that stuff? Well, guess what? Um, There seems to be good evidence that the coronavirus has not gone away. However... What seems to be going away is foolish mandates that don't seem to work. So, again, Hawaii from December to mid-January 
their uh, numbers started falling off. And again, Hawaii and Puerto Rico became the last holdouts. Puerto Rico announced Monday that its mask mandate would be lifted for most places starting on Thursday. So interesting. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. There is uh, another article that I wanted to get to, but it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to get to it. It it it, it seemed to be a very interesting article about why do some people never get COVID. Now, obviously, I'm talking to to a group of people right now, you, the listener, and you fall into at least a couple of categories, those who've gotten coronavirus, those who haven't, but I had no idea that there might be a third category <laughs> Ones who will never get it. I want to know more. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Shauna, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Gino. And I so appreciate Tough Question Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) And I appreciate you. We do have a history. Thank you so much. Um, Praise God, Gino. Praise God. Um, I'm a single mother. And my son is asking questions that I just don't know how to answer. A lot of it being around LBG, whatever that is. LGBTQ plus. Thank you. You had a show on that. I was like, Evan, you'll never guess. Gino talked about it today. Um, He is not able to listen at the exact time that you air, but he's able to pull it up. Um, I noticed a little bit of a lag. So he's able to look at it at a later date. Uh-huh. I had questions about a thousand years. Gog and Magog, you answered them today. <laughs> well, you um, know, yeah. And what, this is what's wonderful, both about the Bible and people who have questions. And I know that tomorrow I'm going to have an author on who's written a book called Questioning God. And, you know, it's the t- it's for tough question. It's like a tough question Tuesday, but... That's the really tough questions. If God is real, why is there evil and suffering? Why should I believe in God? If God is loving, why do people go to hell? Yes. Um, How can I believe in God in this scientific age? Why in the world should I trust the Bible? And so I'm that guy. I, I am the guy who wants to know the answer, and am I'm willing to ask the question, and I'm not embarrassed to ask the question. And and I wish I could tell you, hey, guess what? I found a satisfying answer to every single question. That's not true. But what what I need to be able to say is the Bible provides the most thoughtful and coherent representation of reality yes. that makes sense. And and so I'm just because I don't know the answer to every question, what I point out is that most people who don't share our views or values, they they have to still they have to ask and answer those same questions. The the issue of um why should I believe God exists still requires the other person to ask, well, that same question. 
correct. Um, and way back, just because you've had a, an incredible career on the radio, my son, when he was very young, called in and asked you if God had a mother and father. <laughs> <laughs> I love questions like that. Me too. I loved that he was so little and asked. Um, fast forward, he's now 17 and baptized, goes to a Christian school. I pulled him out of public. Good for you. Um, it was God. All God, I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. I prayed on it, and I'm like, if it doesn't work, if it's not a good fit, you can put him back. And, of course, that's never going to happen, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, just so appreciate you, Jen. You know, I know it's hard to do what you do, and just some single mama from North Glen, Colorado, and you're helping immensely. So thank you. Um, I also do love the reference. Um, is it askquestions.org? It's got questions. Oh, got questions. Thank you for the G-O-T. Yeah, G-O-T. G-O-T. Oh, G- okay, so got questions. Think of G like Gino. Yes. O-T. Got, got questions. Dot org. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a very good, val- valuable tool as well. Um, I just wanted to tell you thank you. Um, I really mean it with all of my heart. Gino, thank you. Well, thank you for your call. (laughs) I'll be back taking calls, answering questions. You know the number. It's 303-873-1935. Hang on, Catherine. I know you have a question about Hebrews chapter 7. Happy to take your question. This is Gino Tracy. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The number is 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Catherine, welcome to the program. Hi. How are you? Doing good. Yeah. Um, I called in today um, because you're the one that can explain these things to me. <laughs> anyway, um, the, the background of Melchizedek uh-huh. in Hebrews 7, 1 through 22, um, I have looked on gotquestions.com, and I did read that, uh-huh. um, but you just have a way of explaining this so that I can understand it, so I would love to hear that. So what would you, what would you, like, would you like to know about, well, let, let me just see if I can't help you. With, with Hebrews chapter 7, Paul is making an argument, and the argument that he's making is that Jesus, the priesthood of Jesus, is better than that of Aaron. Because the Jews were thinking Jesus can't possibly be a priest, because in order to be a priest in the Hebrew tradition, you have to be a direct descendant of Aaron. And Jesus was not a direct descendant of Aaron. And so what he's been... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so, so... what what Paul, or well, the writer of Hebrews, some people believe it's Paul, some people believe it's somebody else, but the writer of Hebrews has made the argument that that Jesus is a superior priest because his priesthood is of a superior order in chapter 7, and he's right. ministering a superior covenant in chapter 8 in a superior right. Sanctuary, chapter 9, in order to have a superior sacrifice. So the whole theme of the, of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is superior to the Jewish 
system. So the writer presents three arguments to prove the superiority of Melchizedek over Aaron. And so he's going to argue the historical argument about Melchizedek and Abraham in verses 1 through 10. And then he's going to make a doctrinal argument about Christ and Aaron in verses 11 through 25. And so the way that I would think about that is he identifies Melchizedek as a type of Christ in verse 3 and verse 15. How is he like Jesus? Well, Melchizedek is a person who happens to be a king, the king of Jebus or Jerusalem. And he's also a priest. And so the writer is basically pointing out, hey, you know what? Jesus is also a king and a priest. Now, like I said, no priest in Aaron's line ever sat on the throne. So the Jews going to ask, how is that even possible? How is it possible that you can be a priest and a king? And so he's going to argue that Melchizedek resembles Jesus in his origin. The Bible doesn't have a record of Melchizedek's birth or death. Now, that doesn't mean that Melchizedek didn't have parents or that he never died. It just simply means that the Old Testament is silent on the subject. And so Melchizedek, like Jesus, can be without beginning of days or end of life. His priesthood is eternal. His priesthood did not depend on earthly successors, while the Aaronic priests had to defend their office by family records. If you're not a direct descendant of Aaron, you can't be a priest. Every single high priest descended from Aaron, they died. But Jesus (laughs) Christ, like Melchizedek, holds the priesthood permanently. So that's the, 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 the argument that he's making. That's the biggest part of it is that he's a type of Christ. Right. He's a type of Christ. He isn't Christ himself. And no. so what, what he's pointing out in Genesis chapter 14, uh, that, that uh, again, Aaron was yet to be born. He was in Abraham's loins, if you will. And so, right. it, the, so in, in Hebrew culture, the father is superior to the son. And because the father and Abraham is the father of the Jewish people, the the point that the writer of Hebrews is making is Abraham is giving tithes to Melchizedek. So this shows the inferiority of the Aaronic priesthood. And that's when he makes the doctrinal argument, having established this historical foundation for the superiority of Melchizedek over Aaron, he now shows that he, the superiority from a doctrinal standpoint. And that's why he's quoting Psalm 110 verse four as the basis of his argument. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek in, in verse, um, in verse 11, where, where he's quoting Psalm 110 verse four, he's actually setting aside the Levitical priesthood founded in Aaron so so here here's what he's arguing. It's not possible to have two divine priesthoods. And so one of them is being set aside. It's impossible for two priesthoods to exist side by side. And so what the writer is arguing, remember, these are Jews who are thinking, I'm going to go back to Judaism. And the fact that God established a new order proves that the old order was weak and ineffective, 
It also meant that the law under which Aaron functioned was also set aside. The law made nothing perfect, if you look down at verse 19 in that chapter, in chapter uh, chapter 7. And so the sacrifices these men offered made nothing perfect, chapter 10, verse 1. And so the Hebrew word for perfect means having a perfect standing before God. So Aaron was made a priest by a carnal commandment, but Jesus is a priesthood after the power of an endless life, verse 16, because unlike Aaron, Jesus never dies. And so again, Hebrews chapter 7, the writers are arguing Jesus is superior in every way. He sure is. (laughs) I hope that helps. Oh, it does. I've got everything that you wrote. I really appreciate. I just really appreciate your preaching. Well, <laughs> wonderful. Thank you, and, and again, have, you have a blessed day. And thanks well. for listening. Three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. Let's see who's up. Carrie and Parker. Do I have time, Jim? Carrie. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, Dana, just a quick question. You were talking about Ezekiel 38 and 39 earlier. Yes. And you were, you'd mentioned that um, in 39.9, where they're talking about um, burning the bows and the weapons from the, the war Israel is, uh-huh. um, you, had, you mentioned that they will burn them for seven months, and the Bible says seven years. Right. I misspoke. That's what I thought. Okay. Because... <laughs> You probably figured it out, Carrie. When you speak as much as I do, you're de- bound to say something stupid and wrong, and you just misspeak. I, I dare I even use – I don't mean to be disrespectful to the president, but I I had sort of a Joe Biden moment. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> um, let me ask you this while I got you. So seven years, wouldn't that put that at the beginning of the tribulation? Well, again, if this is going to be at the beginning of the tribulation and they're they're doing it throughout the tribulation, yeah, this the, there there's a there's powerful arguments um I think that this is something that's taking place during the tribulation. Now, like I said, my friend Joel Rosenberg believes that this is something that might take take place just before the tribulation in order to for for that to fulfill that there has to be a seven year period of you know burying the bodies mm-hmm. so you know it, it, you can imagine are most people going to be spending their whole tribulation burying bodies no probably not um so, again, you, you have the argument of Israel dwelling in peace. Is it possible that there's some sort of peaceful interlude prior to the rapture, but subsequent to the tribulation? And oh, by the way, <clears throat> how much time takes place between the rapture and the tribulation? We don't actually know the answer to that. Hey, welcome back. There's breaking news that the United States is sending two Patriot surface-to-air missiles to Poland. And 
again, I'm sure that that is going to uh, create a great deal of conversation about escalation. 303-873-1935. Let's use up. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, Gino. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, my my question deals mainly with um, religion and, and, and politics, and uh, there's a couple of examples that I'd like for you to speak to, if you don't mind. Um, one is, uh, even just in yesterday's program, uh, you had a pastor on that was, was praying, led, led a great prayer, you know, just for our world, our nation, and just some of the things happening, um, where I think I took a little bit of issue was towards the end, where he, a part of his prayer was, and Lord, remove the president from, you know, the United States of America from his office. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, I just don't know that that's a biblical prayer. Um, it's, you know, it's, the Bible tells us to, to pray for our leaders, regardless of how you about them. That's right. the heart of God. Right. And so God establishes I, I, leaders. He sets them up. Yeah. He takes them down. I don't think right. it's wrong to pray that a person who's inept or incompetent be removed. But to your point, to your point, are there people who believe this president is inept and incompetent? Yes. Um, is he the duly elected president of the United States. He is. Does he do our Christians required to honor him and pray for him? And is the most appropriate prayer for his removal? Maybe not. Uh, if, if, if I'm a Christian in Russia right now, would it be inappropriate for me to pray for Putin's removal? No, it may or may not be appropriate. I mean, if you are a, if you are a Christian in Germany in World War II, is it right or wrong to pray for Hitler's removal? Well, I, I see your your point. Sure, it's it, probably it, would be considered correct. Well, what's it? But, but to your that. point, which is really the better point, and that is what constitutes a charitable prayer. One where, you know, I, I can't imagine Daniel praying for Nebuchadnezzar's re removal, even though he needed to be removed. I can't uh, imagine Joseph praying for Pharaoh's removal, um, even though he may not have been exactly uh, supportive <laughs> of the Jews. Yeah, and, but, exactly. And that, 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 that's, that's where I'm struggling is I, I, I just... For me, I, I just need to hear more Christian leaders want to reflect the heart of God, not what? personal and, opinion and, about the person. So, like, if if, if, it's, if it's, this president is incompetent, okay, like maybe there's lots of people that agree with that, but that's still a personal perspective, right. not a God perspective. Right, and I think a better perspective is that we pray that 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 God will change people's heart to do good right. and not evil. Right. Now, again, I right. think that that's yeah. an appropriate prayer. Imagine if we said, we pray that our president will do good instead of evil. I think that's a, a perfectly appropriate prayer. I think that the function of, of government is to promote what is good and to prevent what is evil. It is to, yeah. it is to promote righteousness and to curtail wickedness. And so, in my view, uh, the church's role. So we, we have two 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 different entities, if you will. The church, sure. which has the role 
to proclaim the gospel. Wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And then individuals like you, like me, as individuals who happen to also be Christians in the church, is it appropriate to be influencers in our culture and even in the political sphere? I think that there's wrong ways to participate in politics. Um, in, in other words, I, I think about significant Christian influence on government, not by compulsion or not by silence or not by dropping out of the process or the view that government is a, a substitute for the church or having a right relationship with God, in my view, the government under no circumstance can save people from their sin and and right. bring them to heaven. But could a government protect its citizens in Ukraine from wholesale slaughter from an invading army? In yep. other words, does a government have mm-hmm. an obligation to protect its citizens? It, it, and is that yep. even the primary obligation of government? Right. I, I think so. I, yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I really get your point. You, you, and you said something great yesterday when you were saying that, you know, God precedes all political parties or something along those lines. And I, and I, I just I really appreciated that quote uh, along the, the same lines that the, the second thing I wanted to be, speak to was I'm sure you read um, about the, uh, the pastor. This has been a few months now, you know, who denied people access to the sanctuary if they had masks on um, and just refused for them to come and participate um, and, and worship. And for me, that's, that's another similar example of, of, of that being more of a political stance and not a spiritual one. And I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I think that what I would have done is I would have said, hey, you know what? In Romans chapter 14, it gives Christians freedom to make decisions that are in the best interest of the Christian. So if a a sincere Christian says, you know, again, masks or no masks, Um, you know, in in Romans 14, it was eat meat offered to idols um, or no meat offered to idols. But the whole point becomes in part is do you have the freedom in Christ to wear a mask or not wear a mask? And you, to your point, for a Christian, for a pastor to say, we won't let you in this church if you're, if you're wearing a mask, that seems harmful and completely uh, disconnected from what Paul writes in Romans chapter 14 and Romans chapter 15 about how we are to... Uh, deal with one another. It talks about we who are strong and we who are weak. And Paul argues about, am I convinced that I can do this? Can I do this unto the Lord? Will it stand the Mm -hmm. test at the judgment seat? Is it causing other peoples to stumble? Where your illustration, this uh, meets that criteria where the Bible says there's, there's one thing we should judge. We should judge ourselves to see whether or not our liberty is causing other people to stumble. And and so do I have the liberty not to wear a mask? Yes. Yes. But does what if my but by insisting that my brother or my sister not wear a mask, 
I'm causing mm-hmm. them to stumble. Correct. Yes. Yes. And then that, that's, that's, that's just a great, great point. I, I just am seeing this need maybe or opportunity at least for, for people to separate the, the, the political viewpoint. Well, again, you know, it, the, it, just, it just causes so much passion in us. It causes so much. Right. Hate well, well, let me, and, let me and, 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 put it a different way. Is it okay for Christians to be conservative or liberal? Yes. Is it okay for Christians to influence and be influencers? I think that the answer is yes. So I I can't go to where you're going and say, well, I'm not going to talk about politics. But what I am going to say is, hey, maybe we should think carefully that if we're going to participate in the civil process and we want to be influencers, are we going to be influencers like Daniel? Are we going to be influencers like Joseph? Are we going to be influencers in in such a way that that we still retain um, integrity to what we're called to do? So back to what I was saying, you know, right. is this causing people to stumble? Can I do it by faith? Am I doing it to please myself or to please mm-hmm. others? And so mm-hmm. Paul gives us a, a list, a checklist, and if you don't. Yeah. If, if you don't fit that criteria, the Bible says you who are strong should bear with the weak. Now, again, we yeah. might argue about what constitutes the strong and right, the weak, right. but clearly, what to your point, that's not just ill-advised, it's, it's, in, it's inappropriate. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. And just one other quick example before I move on to the next caller. You know, in the New Testament, you'll remember in Matthew's Gospel, it talks about how um, John the Baptist rebuked Herod for a specific personal sin in his life. It says, Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias and his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. And Luke's gospel adds even more detail. It says that John the Baptist preached the good news to the people, but Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all that he locked up John in prison. And so certainly all the evil things that Herod had done included evil actions that had been carried out as he was gov- he was the governing official in the Roman Empire. And John the Baptist rebuked him for all of them. He spoke boldly to the officials of the empire about what is right and what is wrong and what was their governmental duties. And so to say that Christians can't speak to a political issue. Remember, I'm talking about a moral issue. 303-873-1935. Tom, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. I think a lot of what's going on in Ukraine is a police action. It started out as a police action. Um, And then uh, our government, which I think uh, Joe Biden was placed into office. I don't think he was elected. Um, And as far as the Putin trying to start a war. I don't think he is. I think that's uh, Hollywood in the media. Well, it may be Hollywood in the media, but as I watch the various outlets, Germany, France, England, um, if, uh, uh, the, the news outlets, and I see people dead 
and bombed out. It doesn't seem like it's a Hollywood thing. It looks like Russia has really, in fact, invaded the Ukraine, and it looks like that that two million people have fled the Ukraine, and it looks like Putin really wants to punish the Ukraine. So that doesn't sound like Hollywood to me. It doesn't sound fictional to me. It doesn't look fictional to me. I'm willing well, to, con- con- to concede that there's a lot of th- misinformation, but it looks way wicked to me. Yeah, he went in to take out some people that were placed there. They weren't elected, kind of like our government. They weren't elected. They were placed there by government. Okay, help me understand what that could possibly mean. Are you saying that Zelensky was placed there by Zelensky? That that he wasn't. No, he, was, he was actually a comedian in the states before he got the job where he's at. Well, Ronald Reagan was an actor, and he was elected president of the United States. I don't think being a comedian means you're not really elected. Are you suggesting that Zelensky has no business being the president of Ukraine? Yeah. Well, and and I'm you know what you may be right, but you may be wrong. It could be that Zelensky was in fact. Elected Now, again, let's just for purposes of discussion say that you're right, because I, I, I want to have a conversation. Let's mm-hmm. say you're right, okay, that somehow Zelensky became the leader of Ukraine under nefarious, wicked circumstances. Does that mean that Putin has the right to come in and remove him? Um. Well, actually, uh, Ukraine lost their statehood in 93, so they're part of Russia. So I would say yes. Well, I would say that Ukraine did not lose their statehood in 93, that when the former Soviet Union collapsed and Ukraine became an independent country, that their independence is a lawful independence and that they are, in fact, a sovereign nation and recognized as a sovereign nation. So... This would be like, imagine in 1812 when the Brits invade America and they say, you know what, um, you rebelled against Britain. You've only been a, co- a colony for about 20 or 30 years. You have no right to exist as a sovereign nation. And so we're taking you back. They did screw our Constitution up in 1800. Well... Are you suggesting that America has no right to be an independent sovereign nation? No, we've earned our right to be an independent sovereign nation. What would Ukraine have to do to earn the right to be an independent sovereign nation? More than half of those people are Russian and want to go home. (laughs) Well, would you be willing to concede that maybe they've earned the right to be an independent nation if the Ukrainians – Push the Russians out of their country. Yeah, but let's say, okay, let's say tomorrow Mexico decided that they were going to arm a bunch of people and put them right on our border. Don't you think that the United States would attack Mexico? Well, what if Mexico made the argument Texas used to be a part of Mexico? Colorado used to be a part of Mexico. California used to be a part of Mexico. We want it back. And America would still go after Mexico. Well, I'm here to tell you. That if Mexico says we're annexing Texas, Arizona, Colorado, and California, that there are people in Texas, California, Colorado, that aren't going to be on board with it. 
Absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you for your call <laughs> and interesting perspective. Yeah, I, I kind of figured I needed to get it out there. So, you know. Well, and I, I appreciate the fact that you felt like you could call this program and even get it out there, even though I don't no, agree with you. It's, yeah, it's been a long time since I've talked to you, but yeah, I figured uh, my opinion needs to be out there. I'm sure a lot of people have the same opinion I do, and and uh, you know. Well, I can honestly say I don't share that opinion, but hey, thank you for your call. <laughs> You're welcome. You have a good day. Three zero three. Eight seven three nineteen thirty five. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that Tom, not just Tom, but th- that there might be other people who share Tom's view. Um, but again, what I'm wondering is, under what circumstance? Again, even conceding his point that Zelensky is a a bad actor and that somehow he came to power under nefarious circumstances. Does that mean that Russia has the right to remove him? I'm not saying that's what happened, but imagine if you're a person who views that Joe Biden came to be the president of the United States under illegal circumstances. Who would have the power to remove him? How do we remove the president of the United States? There's an impeachment process and there's an election process. But I suspect that civil war is not the best solution to the problem. And I suspect one country invading another country and killing its citizens and displacing, it looks like two million people, I have no reason – I don't always, quote-unquote, trust the news or even the United Nations statistical analysis. It's the United Nations that's reporting that 2 million uh, Ukrainian citizens, women and children, and I, I'm, I'm sure that there must be some elderly involved, that you would just sort of make that up, that that would be just some sort of – amount that's tossed into the air, but it probably isn't true. So, interesting. 303, well, I guess we're coming to the end of our program. And and by the way, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to have a guest on uh, John Hopper. He's written a book called Questioning God, Answers to Questions Worth Asking. We had lots of great questions on... on, um, on Tough Question Tuesday, but (laughs) we're going to talk about his book, Questioning God, like, you know, questions that people ask God, or they ask each other, or they ask themselves. Like, if God is real, then why is there so much evil and suffering? Are there credible answers to that question? One that you would believe? I'll be back tomorrow taking your calls, answering your questions, the Lord willing. Producer Jim, thanks for all you've done. I'll be back tomorrow. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.